0: Today, we're going to be talking about the statement when Jesus said, I am the vine. In Acts chapter 4, if you'll look at this with me, he said, This Jesus is the stone builders you rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Church, today, again, we're talking about when Jesus said, I am the vine. And we're going to be looking in John chapter 15. So if you want to turn your attention to John chapter 15 and in verse 1, this is Jesus speaking here. He said this. He said, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. So Jesus made the statement there that that he is the vine and his father is the gardener. And we know what the gardener does, right? He takes care of the vine and the branches. But see, he also calls us to be connected to him. Church, he calls us to be connected to him. And so why is it important for us to be connected? So if Jesus is the vine and God is the gardener, the gardener is the one that takes care of the branches to make sure that they're fruitful, right? He is the one who takes care of those things. But I love what Jesus said in John 15, verse one. He said, I am the true vine, Church, what that means for each and every one of us, it means this. It means that there are some false vines that you and I can get connected to. He's not the only vine out there. He's the true vine, but there's some false vines that we can get connected to. And sometimes, church, we, 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 we find ourselves connecting to a false vine. And there's a lot of false vines out there. See, we inside of us, the very makeup of us, we have to be connected. It's something that's important to us, right? You wanna be connected to people. Nobody likes to be alone. We wanna be connected to people, right? Maybe you find connection at work. Maybe you find connection at church, whatever it might be. We all want to be connected to something or someone. And so think about it. Sometimes we think if we connect ourselves to something, if if we connect ourselves to something, Even a false vine, we believe that it will produce fruit, that good things will come to ourselves. So we attach ourselves to false vines. And so I want to look at it maybe on a street level so we can understand a little bit better. You know, we make the statement, well, you know, if I make more money next year, or if I can climb one more rung on the company ladder, then I will produce fruit, that that is fruit. Jesus would say, nah, not so much. Or we think if I can just achieve a certain social status, if I can get somewhere socially just to a certain status, you know, in other words, if I wear the right things, if I got the right technology in my pocket, you know, I have to have the iPhone 13 because to the 12 is so yesterday, right? I got to have the right stuff. Heaven forbid you have the iPhone 12 because no one's going to like you, to be honest, church. I'm joking. If you think that you're connected maybe on Facebook or any kind of social media and you got a lot of friends, then you'll think that you have made it, you think that you have arrived. In church, I want you to know, sometimes we connect ourselves to those false vines and you think it's producing fruit but it's not. Sometimes it even looks like an appearance of something, of something good, you know, we do this, we do certain things because we want people to think that we got it all together. The appearance of that, I got it all together. You know, if I create the perfect image of things, you know, a a job, a a home, a, a family. Church, these things are not fruit. They're not fruit. Connecting to false vines is the worst thing that you could do. It produces false fruit. And it makes you think you're okay. So the first point I want to get across to you today from John chapter 15 is this staying connected produces fruit. Check out verse two through four. It says this. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me. Also, I remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. And church, I want you to understand what that means. We must remain in him, in Christ Jesus. When we remain in him, he remains in us. It's pretty simple, right? It's kind of like that that, that thing that you're in the zone there, you're in that area, and so that's just naturally what's gonna be happening. So when you're remaining in him, what does that look like? What does it look like for you to remain in Christ? Church, I don't know if you realize this or not. Every single one of us, All of us sitting here today, we are called to find our value, and we are called to find our purpose in him. Some of you are trying to find your value and your purpose other ways. It's producing false fruit for you. You are called to find your purpose and your value in him. And Jesus is saying here that we are the great branches, the grape branches, and we must continually draw life, giving nourishment from him. That's where you draw from. That's where you get it from. The true vine, without the true vine, we will wither and we'll die. That's how it works, church. Early Christians, they they remained in him. They remained in him as they continued steadfastly in four practical things. Here's how the early Christians did it, right? The the teaching of the word uh, through fellowship, breaking of the bread, communion, and prayer in all of its forms, You know, confession, gratitude, petition, even lamenting. If you don't know what lamenting is, it's like grieving and crying out to God. That is how they stayed connected. But this verse also talks about pruning. Fruitful branches are cut back to promote growth. In other words, sometimes, church, God has to discipline us to strengthen our character and our faith. And we hate discipline, don't we? I can't stand it when someone even just tells me I'm wrong, let alone disciplines me. And I believe you're probably the same way. But that's what he does. He disciplines us to strengthen our character and strengthen our faith. We don't like this, but it's for our own good. That's what he does. So what kind of fruit are, are we talking about here? And this is something some of you have heard before. You're going to be blown away. For those of you who have not, turn to Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. We're going to talk about this kind of fruit that Jesus is speaking about here. In verse 22 of Galatians chapter 5, it says this. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And then there is no law against these things. Churches, you hear these words and, and you think about these fruits. When you think about these things I just spoke, you, you, you might just be saying like, man, I want those. You know, you sit there and look at all that fruit, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You look at that fruit that is being produced and you're like, man, I wish I had some of that. I, I just want some of that. Kindness, right? Goodness, gentleness, faith, self-control, church. This is the fruits of the Spirit. As a Christian, this is what you and I will produce. This is what we will produce. And some of you are mass producers of these fruit. I've seen it. Some of you are sitting here in church and really and truly, Nice job. God's doing amazing things in your life. You are mass producers of these fruits. And others of you, you need some pruning done. You need some pruning done so you, you, you start to have these fruits so that they are evident in your life. So being con- disconnected, church. Second point I want to make to you today. Being disconnected produces nothing. Check out John chapter 15, if you will. Go back there with me. In John chapter 15 and see in verse 5, Jesus said this. He said, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Church, I want you to know those words jumped out of the page at me this week when I was deciding which one of the I am statements to preach on. This verse was very powerful for me, and and I don't know if it's powerful for you or not, but he said right there, apart from me, you can't do anything. You can't do nothing at all. That piece of that verse, do you realize, church, you and I, we have free will, don't we? We have free will in our lives, and each and every one of us, you can decide what you're going to do. You can. We can even break our fellowship. You got free will to break your fellowship with God by allowing sin in our lives. You have free will to do that. And I'm talking about maybe by worldliness. Man, I think Christians today, a lot of us are struggling. We're struggling in big time. We we're just like the rest of the world. And we're called to be different. The Bible tells us to to be different, right? In Romans chapter 12, it says, do not conform to the patterns of this world. We're called to be different, but some of us, you know what we like to do? We kind of like to dip our toes into the things of this world, don't we? You know, we'll we'll, we'll, kind of dabble in a little bit. At least I ain't like the rest of them. I'm not fully in. But by stepping out of the will of God and not trusting in him for who he is, and what he says he's going to do, you become disconnected. Church, you will become disconnected. I'm talking about not trusting him, not trusting in his word. See, we have this thing, the, these things going on in our lives, don't we? Each and every one of us. And, and how many times have you called on God to, to kind of fix it? You're like, Lord, you know what's going on. You, you, the Bible tells me, your word tells me, Lord, you know even the things of my heart And I need you, Lord, to to, to take care of this. Sometimes we're even kind of snarky with God, aren't we? Like, God, God, I know you know what's going on. I know you see these things going on in my life. Where are you at? Where are you going to fix it? Maybe for some of you today that God is calling on you to do something. And I believe he is. That he's calling you out and he's telling you to do something. And you know what? What do we typically do? You remember when God called Moses out, right? When he was in the desert, he's hiding out, tending sheep for his father-in-law. God comes to him in the burning bush, says, Moses, this is what I want you to do. And he starts making excuses. Oh, why don't you get somebody else? I'm not good with speeches. You want me to go talk to my ex-daddy? No, I don't think so. I'm not eloquent with words is what he said. And you know what, church? So many times, myself included, God will call on us to do something. And he'll say, here's what I have for you. Here's what I want you to do. And you, do you realize when God calls you to something, he's going to see it through. He will give you everything that you need. But yet we still, right? We, we make those excuses for him, to him. Church, God is not surprised by anything. You know, God calls you to do something. You're like, Lord, I got five kids. He knows you got five kids. He gave them to you, okay? He knows. He knows. Or are like, Lord, my job's busy. He knows your job is busy. He's not surprised by any of these things. He sees what you're doing. He knows all the things that you're doing. He even knows the things that you are doing that are not important. And he still calls you out. It reminds me of a story in the book of Numbers, if if you want to turn there in Numbers chapter 11. In this story, it's the story of Moses, right? He was leading the, the Israelites out into the desert, and they were complaining, man. They were chronic complainers. I can't even imagine being in Moses' shoes. Every time someone coming up, just talking about something they need, something they want. How come we don't go back? We had it better in Egypt, right? Chronic complainers these guys were and they were complaining because they wanted meat. They they wanted meat, and Moses was like, yeah, what now, you crybabies? What do you people want now, right? And God was like, you know, those complainers, they want meat? They want meat? I'll give them so much meat, it's gonna be coming out of their nostrils. That's what God was gonna do. So Moses goes to God, and he's like, hey God, we're out here in the desert, we're out here in the desert, and there isn't much meat around, in case you didn't notice, Lord. There's not enough meat around here, and, and, and I'm not quite sure, God, how you're going to do this. Basically, that's what he said. I'm not sure, Lord, how you're going to take care of this. And he was offering up excuses, and check out what God says to Moses in Numbers chapter 11, verses 21 through 23. It says, but Moses said, here I am among 600,000 men on foot, and you say, I will give them meat to eat for a whole month. And so God, Moses basically saying to God, like, well, let me tell you what the situation is. He already knows. Verse 22, would they have enough if flocks and herds were slaughtered for them? Would they have enough if all the fish in the sea were caught for them? And the Lord answered Moses, Is the Lord's arm too short? Now you will see whether or not what I say will come true for you. Boy, God put him in his place pretty quick, didn't he? Like, you're saying my, my, my arms are too short? That I can't do that? That I can't provide? Church, by no means is God's arms too short. No way are his arms too short. And for us, church, for us, when God begins to do something special or even supernatural, you ever seen God do the beginnings of things in your life? It might be something simple. It might be something, wow. And you recognize it. Church, you realize when you recognize God's hand at work, there's a little blossom of fruit that begins to appear in your life, and it's called faithfulness. You begin to have faith because you see him doing something. You know, it's just a little one. You don't call it fruit yet because it's so small, but church, it's the start of something. God always starts somewhere, doesn't he? He always starts somewhere. And maybe, church, maybe for you, this little fruit began to appear in your life of faithfulness. Maybe it's because it's a sermon you heard. Maybe it's a scripture. You're just randomly reading the Bible. And this scripture, I mean, it jumped out of the page at you. Maybe you've seen a glimmer of hope in a situation in your life. Maybe, church, just maybe. You're staying connected, but... There isn't a lot of fruit right now. Maybe you got a friend that you've been praying for, and it seems the more you pray, like, the deeper it goes for him. You ever had that experience in your life? And you're like, what's going on, God? Where are you at? Where's your hand in all this? Maybe it's that, that sense of anger. Some of you, you struggle with that, right? It's that sense of anger that you're easily angered over the tiniest things. Man, it's driving you crazy. You're like, why can't I get over this? Maybe it's that selfishness inside of you. You know you're selfish and you're sick of it. And you're like, I'm connected. But where's that fruit? Maybe it's a lust problem that you've got going on in your life. You're lusting after things, but you just can't get over it. And you're like, you know, I'm trying to stay connected, but there's no fruit. And what did Jesus say? I want to remind you what he said, church, in John chapter 15. Jesus said, if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. So that means right there, that statement that Jesus made, that means there is a 100% chance of fruit in this deal. He didn't say that you might bear fruit. He didn't say maybe you will bear fruit. He said, you will, but we have to remain in him. And in our ADD society that we have, right? We have a hard time remaining in something when we don't see it instantly, right? If you're praying about God to do something, if he don't do it the next day, you're instantly, you're off down another trail. But he says, you remain in me. You have to remain in me. So when your family member walks away, church, you remain in him and you continue to pray for that person. We have to stay connected. We have to stay connected to the vine. And staying connected, church, is critical. It's critical. Because what did he say in John chapter 15, verse 5? Apart from me, you can't do anything. You can't do nothing. So, I want you to look with me now, John chapter 15, verse 6. Jesus speaking again. He said, If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown in the fire, and burned. So, church, that is not a good day in any single way to be that branch. It's not good for that. See, when we are not connected, when we are producing nothing, what can happen? We'll be pruned. We disconnect. And you know what happens a lot of times, church, when we disconnect from him, when we do not remain in him, and he does not remain in us. We begin to look on other people, and we find ourselves in like a very judgmental state. Is that's exactly what we do? You know, in, in church, we, we'll sit there and pick things apart. You know, my parents both—they taught us all the time. You never make those statements like "I will never." I remember my parents beating that into our head when we were teenagers. And, and I have one family member. He was the one. He was the king of the "I never" statements. He ate every one of them. He did. And we make those statements like, I am never, and then you say it. You know, maybe you've made the statement like, I'm never going to have an affair like so-and-so. Then you find yourself in one. And you're like, what happened? You know, how did, how did I get here? It's because you were disconnected from the vine. You know, this is a famous one for all of us parents. If you haven't made the statement yet, please don't. It will haunt you. My kid is never going to act like that. Mm-hmm. I promise you'll eat that statement real quick. Usually within 24 hours. Heard that before. You know I'm never going to put my job in front of my family like Jimmy does. The next thing is you miss so many games of your kids' sports that you you don't even know what team they play on anymore. For baby Christians, listen to me. If you are a baby Christian. You've got to stay connected because the Lord can, I mean, the enemy can lead you away from the Lord so fast. That's why discipleship is important in the church. Church, we can all, all of us can find ourselves so deep in. You really can, to the point where you're like, what's going on, or like, what did I do, or how did I get here? Church, listen carefully. If you don't get anything out of this sermon today, I really and truly want you to get this. If you're writing stuff down, make sure you write this down. Any one of us is capable of anything, church, anything when you are disconnected from the Lord. You are capable of anything when you're disconnected, when you don't have him. Is there a primary source in your life? All of us are capable of anything. See, you've got to stay connected. It's important. So how do we stay connected? How do we stay connected to the vine? There's lots of ways to stay connected. I'm going to give you all the churchy answers real fast. Just boom, boom, boom. I'm going to fire them at you. Prayer, absolutely. You stay connected to the Lord through prayer. Worship, you know, worship song. You all got that one jam that you're, that you and the Lord's jam, right? That one worship song gets you every time. You keep listening to that. That will keep you connected for sure. Coffee with a friend. That one friend that you got that's willing to call you out. No matter, I don't care if you're mad at me or not. I'm going to tell you what it is. That one friend, that'll keep you connected for sure. You know that sunrise that breaks over the hills sometimes blows you away. You hurry up and take a picture, you put it on Facebook, look at what God did. You bet. That is something else that can make you stay connected. How about when you're sitting up at 2 a.m. in the morning with that brand new baby and you're ticked you be honest, you know it's the truth. And suddenly you have that moment, you look down at that cute little baby's face, and you see what God made and created. And God loaned that baby to you. That's a loaner, by the way. That's his. And he loaned that baby to you. And you have that moment that you're connected. Church, there are so many ways to stay connected. See, the problem is this, is many times, many times we lack motivation to stay connected. We are not motivated enough to stay connected. You know what you gotta do, you know exactly what you need to do, but you lack the motivation to do it. And so what does God say fundamentally that you and I need to do to stay connected? And it goes something like this. The very first one, this is so simple. I want you to write it down, but it's so simple. It's do what Jesus says. It's simple, right? You do what he says. For those of you who have a Bible, the red letter ed- edition, you know exactly what Jesus said. It's easy to pick it out. You do what Jesus said. John chapter 15, verse 10, it says this. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. That does not mean, make sure you do not confuse this one bit. It doesn't mean if you break one of his commands, you're out. That's people in the world that does that to you. They don't love you anymore because you, you did them dirty once. no. What he's talking about, if you keep my commands, you'll remain in my love. I'm talking about encompasses you. It becomes part of you. It's it's who you are. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love just as I've kept my father's commands and remain in his love. So you do what Jesus says, church. You know what? This has happened ever since Kids Got Rooms. You can go all the way, I'll bet you all the way back to biblical times. How many of you, you remember that time you told your kid to go clean the room, right? You're sitting in the kitchen, you're like, hey, go clean your room. The kid leaves, comes back an hour later, and you look at your kid, and you're like, did you clean your room? And your kid says, you know what? I memorized what you said about cleaning the room. And you look at your kid again, you say, did you clean your room? Church, you see where this is going? And so you look at him and say, that is great. I'm glad you memorized it, but did you clean your room? And your kid looks at you and says, you know what? I got it tattooed right here on my arm in Hebrew. I tattooed it in Hebrew. What you said for me to clean my room, and I did that as a reminder and so that everybody knows I'm supposed to clean my room. And you look at your kid and you said, yeah, but did you clean your room? And your kid looks at you and says, you know what? I got four friends together. We went to a coffee shop and, and, and you know, we decided we were gonna talk about what it meant when you said to clean your room. You know, what? we even studied the word in Greek and the Greek word for clean your room is cleanio, which means to clean in haste and to clean with much fortitude, right? And you look at your kid and you said, Yeah, but did you clean your room? And your kid said, you know what, we went to a conference too. (laughs) We went to a conference and we talked about what it meant to clean your room. And then some guy stood up, blew us all away. He told us how we could clean it more effectively. And you look at your kid and you say, yeah, but did you clean your room? Church, this morning, God might be saying that to you right now. Think about it. Is he looking at you and saying, Did you clean your room? You know, we simply just need to do what Jesus says. We got to clean our room. See, God has been telling us this for a long time now, right? He's been telling you what it is that he wants you to do. And you know what, church? He's even backing it up with his word. He's constantly reminding you in his word. And people, people have been telling you over and over and over again, you need to clean your room. You should do this. And you're like, I can't. I can't do this. And God is saying, you know what? It's time. It's time for you to clean your room. He's like, come on. you got to quit just talking about it. you got to quit praying about it. How many times do you need me to tell you to confirm this to you that you need to clean your room? How many times has the preacher stood up and told you that you need to do this? You know, you need to get into a Bible study. You need to get in a small group. You you need to do something. You need to step up and do what it is that God is calling to you. And you kind of give it that same old answer, like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm praying about it. It's time for you to clean your room, church. Maybe you need to spend more time with your kids. Invest in them before they're gone. Church, you realize what your responsibility is? It's to teach your kids about Jesus Christ. For sure. Don't you dare leave that up to the world because they'll teach them everything but Jesus Christ. That is your one job. You know your kids, maybe you invest in heavy into your grandchildren. You teach them what God's word says and what God's plans are for the life because you know what? You are gonna blink your eye and they're gonna be gone making their own decisions. And if you taught them about God, church, if you brought them up in a way that the Bible tells us to, they'll come back. I believe that God is telling you to clean your room, church, to invest in the the kids that he's given to you. He has lent them to you, trusting you to do what he's called you to do. Maybe this morning God is telling you 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 need to be selfless. You need to be more selfless in your life. Stop thinking that the sun rises and the sun sets on you because some of us are like that. God's telling you to clean your room. Church, we've got to do what Jesus says because he tells us this, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. And the second way to stay connected to the vine is this, Man, this is so simple this morning. We make it hard, church. Is you've got to love like Jesus. You've got to learn to love like Jesus. John chapter 15, verse 12. He says this, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Man, when he added that, as I have loved you, you know, it's simple. God's telling you, oh, you got to love everybody. Like, okay, I can do that. Sometimes. But when he says, like, I have loved you, that kicked it up a notch right there. you realize how he loved you, church? Do you realize how he loved you? You know that neighbor that you can't stand? Nobody in the neighborhood likes him. You justify it, don't you? Nobody likes him. He's telling you to love them. It's hard. But see, it's not just how we would do it, but it's how he would do it. Right, church, we have destroyed that word love so bad in the English language in our society today. You love everything. You love your car. Don't love your car. It's not gonna give you anything back. You know, you love Pop-Tarts. You love pizza. You love things that we're not called to love. But Jesus said, he said, my command, this is a command, not a suggestion, not a casual thing. He says, my command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. And see, Jesus had a problem right here though, church. He had a very big problem because his disciples for years, for years they were wondering who was gonna be the greatest. See, they talked about it on the way to Jerusalem. They talked about this on the way to Jerusalem during the Passover meal. They argued about it. Who was gonna be the greatest? And Jesus was like, come on guys, the greatest among you, is the one who serves Jesus always got to throw it out there doesn't he in other words he says it's the one who loves do you understand that one of the greatest way that you can show somebody how much you love them is to serve them every year we do mission wellsville here in in the the community and where we go and help people and you get a bunch of teenagers together. It's an awesome week. We go out and we serve, we do things. Last year we had a a kid, he was brand new to the whole scene. Never even saw him in youth group, he just kinda ended up being there. And we were the first day at the job site, 100 degrees almost every day last week. And this kid, he leaned over and he goes, hey, how much are we getting paid for this? (laughs) Nothing. You aren't getting paid nothing. As a matter of fact, you had to pay me money to help this old lady. This elderly lady, I mean. I'm learning. I'm a slow learner. But, you know, by the end of the week, he learned what it meant to serve selflessly. That we were doing it because we needed to. Because we were going to show some love to this woman. In other words, church, he says the one who serves is the one who loves. And you know, when they get to dinner, when all the disciples get to dinner, Jesus, what did he do? He's always making grand statements, isn't he? Jesus, he puts a towel around his waist and he bends down and he washes their feet. And he tells them, he tells them this church, not only does he tell him, but he shows them what this looks like. He tells them, he says, I am the vine and you are the branches. He said, if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. And then check out what he says next. He says, you want to remain in my love, then keep my commands. You want to remain in my love? You keep my commands. In other words, do what I say. You go love each other as I have loved you. And then the very next thing Jesus said, this is going to blow you away, church. He said this, greater love has no man than this, that he would lay down his life for his friends. Talking sacrificial love. Too many times we will only love somebody if they do something good for us, right? I hear this statement all the time. You know Jimmy? Oh, I love Jimmy. He came up and cut my grass for free. I love him. Would you love Jimmy if he didn't cut your grass? Church, it's a sacrificial love. Greater love has no man than this that he would lay down his life for his friends. So as I ask the praise team to come up here this morning, I want you to realize something. Jesus is telling us to love each other. He's telling us we need to love each other and when you begin to do that, church, when you begin to demonstrate that love to one another, do you realize that there is a cycle that, that begins, God begins to produce fruit. There's a cycle that happens. It's like a little bit of love here, then there's some, some joy over there and a, a little patience, some kindness. Lord knows that you guys need some patience and kindness faithfulness then gentleness and in all these things church begin to produce themselves and we stay connected to the vine so this morning I got a couple questions for you first one is this what fruit are you producing evidently producing in your life what evidence of that fruit is there in your life Jesus said, if we remain in him, in he in us, then we will bear fruit. So then my second question is to this. Are you connected to the vine? Because he said, apart from him, you'll do nothing. Apart from him, you'll do nothing. Some of you would say, I'm a follower of Christ. You're sitting here today and you're gonna say, I'm a follower of Christ, but I need some help staying connected. I know what it takes to stay connected, but I just haven't done that. My advice to you this morning is this, you just need to be praying, God give me the strength to stay connected. And when that conviction comes over your heart, of the fact that you're not being connected, do something about it. Don't ignore it. And then I believe with all my heart, there's some people that God brought here today so that you could hear the truth so that you could hear the truth. Jesus says this, it is only in him the fruit of forgiveness can be found, church. That's the only place you can find forgiveness and God knows, right? We have a sin problem, every single one of us. Romans chapter three tells us that we all fall short of the glory of God. And so I believe that there are some people here today that you are being convicted today. You know that you are not connected to the vine at all and the reason that you are not connected to the vine is because You have never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. That is the only way to receive that fruit of forgiveness is through him. And so this morning, if that's you, if you're feeling convicted and and you know that you want to be connected to the vine because apart from that, you can't do anything, church, I want to encourage you. Heed that call. You can come down front. Some of the elders will be down here. Kim will be down here. They will pray with you. You don't have to know the Bible. You don't have to have it memorized. All you got to know is this, that you're tired of the life that you're living, that you want something better, that you want that promise that God made to each and every one of us. And when you remain in his love, then he will remain in you. And it looks like this, church. You give your heart to him. You confess those sins that you got in your life. We all got them. You say, Lord, I need forgiveness. You admit who you are as a sinner, ask for forgiveness. You invite Christ into your heart. Let me tell you what that looks like. When you invite Christ in your heart, it means you do a reversal. You're no longer heading this way. You're heading back that way. You get rid of your old life and accept the brand new one he has for you. So this morning, if that is for you, if you're feeling it, I wanna encourage you to come forward. We'll walk you through it. So how about it, church? Let's stand together. Let's sing. But I want to encourage you to respond this morning.